1: KC Laboratory, sponsored by Emprise Bank. It's a live game preview edition of the KC Laboratory, presented by Emprise Bank. When was the last time you went into a bank? Now, more than ever, who you're doing business with is more important than where they're located. Emprise is a trusted company with mobile tools that take your banking beyond the borders of whatever city you live in. That's Emprise mem- uh, uh, ba- Bank, member FDIC. Very excited to be game previewing again. Very excited to be wearing the new Charlie Hustle KC Sports Network shirts. Yes, we coordinated this week. Uh, looking kind very of. looking better than me in this shirt. Uh, find them on Twitter at Maddie underscore KCSN. Craig knows. Uh yeah, Matthew. Know. Hi. You looking? Yeah. We've got to talk about your picture on Twitter today. Posted uh you in the shirt on the farm my goodness L-
2: listen I I saw the the BJ you know he made it he made a business decision that he had to go out and get some models get some good looking people to take pictures to get this to run these shirts out I had to do them justice and I was like well wait a second I think I can do this at home right so I headed on out to the farm I picked up a pitchfork pretended like I was going to do something with it because I certainly wasn't doing anything with it at the time Um, And we snapped a quick little picture. So, you know, you can head over there. You can check it out. But if you go, I just ask one thing. Click the link and buy a shirt or a hoodie. You will enjoy it. Craig hasn't got out of his hoodie since he got it three days ago.
3: I live in this now. (laughs) I I, I do. I live in this now. Um, It is my new blanket. When these guys joined, I had the hood up. And honestly, if I put it up, I will fall asleep. It is so (laughs) comfortable. This thing is ridiculously comfortable. I know, you know, Charlie Hustle, Makes a lot of quality product. This is definitely one of them. I cannot recommend the hoodie enough. I seriously, every podcast from here on out, you are going to see me in. Is just th- this hoodie is going to get progressively dirtier and dirtier as my kids like throw up on it and things like that. Don't care. It's still going to be the most comfortable piece of clothing that I own.
1: Oh my gosh! <laughs> it's, yeah. He
3: really hasn't though. Like it's real.
4: <laughs> he has.
1: He's worn it for like three straight days since he got it. Yeah. Can't confirm. It's, it's it's incredible. Um. All right. Game preview edition. Three storylines on offense. Three storylines on uh, the defensive side of the ball. That's kind of the format you you probably are used to at this point. But we always kind of just fill you on. This is kind of how we do it. And we'll start with the offense, uh the most important piece of uh, this thing. Sorry, Craig. Again. Um. New stuff coming out of the bye week. You know, this is always like a. An interesting time to see adjustments made coming out of the bye week. New concepts starting to get introduced, trickled into as they start building towards the playoffs. Maddie, what you think?
2: So, yeah, I wanted to start with something like this because we saw the Chiefs go into San Francisco right before the bye week. Come out and play a really, really good game offensively. And I think there was some new stuff there. You know, they, they started stacking Juju Smith-Schuster and Travis Kelsey on the same side of the formation a lot together. And that worked out really well for them. They had a few different ways to beat man coverage. I think I'm just interested to see, did they have so much success against the 49ers? Because that secondary was beat up beyond beat up out there. Is that how they had success beating man coverage? The 49ers actually didn't play as much man coverage as most other teams have either against them. So the Titans, will they come out and play man? What do the Chiefs have to beat? it? What's the new stuff? Andy Reid out of the bye weeks kind of legendary at this point in time. What's that look like offensively? Because they still need an answer to beat man coverage. The Titans secondary in its current form is definitely better than the 49ers secondary in their current Mm form. If they come out and play man coverage and get physical, uh, shocking Mike Frabel being a a coach of a physical team, What do the Chiefs have to beat it? Is it new? Is it just, hey, guys, go be better than them? That's where I think I have to start this first week.
3: I mean, and I think that it's worth noting here that the Titans, for all the talent that they have back there, haven't put it all together in the same way that we've seen some other teams. They're definitely on the lower end of the scale from a pass defense, pass coverage standpoint, and they're potentially missing Amani Hooker on this team. Currently, Amani Hooker's backup. Lonnie Johnson, uh, Chiefs are very familiar with Lonnie Johnson, and so is Travis Kelsey. Oh. So, I mean, this is that that doesn't bode well necessarily for them. But I do wonder. I I do think that Brable's going to come out, maybe play a little more man-heavy scheme. We're going to see a little bit more trying to just line up and say, "Hey, we know that you guys don't have a ton of man beaters on your in your receiving core." So, but let's try this and let's try and get home with the four that we've got. Just try and man up on the back end and force Andy to unleash, you know, the quote unquote good plays and force him to stay on point for most of the game. Now, again, you know, the Titans secondary hasn't been great so far this year, but they definitely seem to have a tell with Patrick Mahomes. They definitely seem to come with a better game plan. Mike Vrabel. Hell of a coach, and he comes with a different game plan for the Chiefs every single time, and it seems to frustrate the Chiefs, seems to really get them off their game a little bit. I fully expect that they're going to line up, they're going to try and bring pressure, and just play man on the back end and say, hey, Chiefs, I know you're good at throwing the ball, but let's see how you handle when we're just going to glove you up all game long and play extremely physical you know, on the road.
1: You know, and uh, one thought too, it's just, I agree with, you know, I I, I definitely could see that being the game script for how uh, Mike Rabel approaches this thing. But just one other thought, just kind of, you know, thinking about this, it's like, it's so weird that the Isaiah Pacheco move being named the starting running back. I know it's a little bit in name only, but it worked, I think, because I think Clyde Edwards-O'Leary looked great. And, you know, Um, I just found it interesting that that move came before the bye. Because that just felt like a very post-buy kind of move. So, like, I'm always just kind of curious as well. It's like, what changes with personnel after the buy? They kind of made one little adjustment already. I'm also interested, you know, to kind of see if there's going to be um, any more, you know? So, uh, third down defense, Matthew. You wanted to talk a little bit about Tennessee's third down defense. Probably going to be an important factor in this game.
2: I, I think... It's just the Chiefs, when they've had their, their rough games this year, when the Chiefs offense hasn't been clicking, what has happened? Not great execution on third downs. When they've had some of the best offensive performances of the year, of the last decade, what has happened? Great on third downs. And you can kind of boil it down to a couple different things. You know, Early down success rate for the Chiefs versus the Bills and versus the Colts, not that great. A better versus a lot of the other competition. But even when that early down success rate wasn't high versus the 49ers or, you know, versus the Buccaneers, Mahomes just went unbelievably, was unbelievably good on third down. He was just great. There's nothing you can do. It's third and eight. You're in a perfect position as a defense and Patrick Mahomes shows up and does some Mahomes level stuff, right? So the Titans, it's going to be, the ball's going to be in their court no matter what the distance is to make sure that figures it out.
3: Now, I think this is very important to note. The Kansas city chiefs currently have the number one third down offense in the league. As it stands right now, they convert 51.9% of their third downs. That's outrageously good. That even beats the bills who everybody just is all about, you know, look at how they do on third downs. The Tennessee Titans have the best third down defense in the NFL. 25.6% conversion rate on the offense. So this is, you know, immovable object versus unstoppable force here. This this is going to be one of those Tennessee Titans have a a ridiculously good rush defense. They are one of the best in the league against the run. So I don't suspect the Chiefs are going to be able to line up, have early down run success, try and chisel away at the sticks. They're going to have to throw the ball. And like I said, past defense isn't great, but the Tennessee Titans get teams into a lot of third and longs, and they're able to tee off, they're able to get off the field, and that's what matters against the Kansas City Chiefs. What we've seen the Chiefs do, and I know it's a very rudimentary way of saying this, you know, you know obviously you obviously got to keep the drives going to score points. It, obviously, yes. What? I know, it's unbelievable. You won't believe it, but. When we've seen the Chiefs struggle this year, it has been specifically on third downs because we we see them get behind the sticks. Like Maddie said, you know, get behind the sticks against 49ers and you're like, oh man, here we go. Or get behind the sticks against the Raiders and oh man, here we go. And it doesn't matter. Like it just doesn't matter. They've been able to solve. Whatever it is that they've got, it's third and Mahomes again. So it will be interesting to see if we see a lot more of those third and Mahomes against the NFL's best third down defense because they can't convert those. They can't pick that up. Then it starts getting into that, you know, Mike Vrabel, you know, slug fest, close quarter slug fest, slap fight, whatever you want to call it. Like it, it, it becomes a lot more physical and brutal of a game. They just can't do it on third downs.
2: And I want well, to quickly add context to that for no, I want to add context, the the best third down defense um in the NFL. Here's the offenses they've played in third down success rate. 30th. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 25th. Uh, 20th. 19th. 16th. Twice. And then scroll second. up a little bit. Buffalo Bills, second guess who hung, like, 40 points on that yeah. defense? no, the that, was, that was a bad one,
3: but we'll, we'll see. We'll see if it's real.
2: Right, no, no. I just wanted to say, like, the defense has been really good on third down. They just – the only team that's actually been a challenge offensively has been the Buffalo Bills, and that's the team that hung a ton of points. on. I just wanted to make – you know, I just wanted to put that in there. There's a little bit of context, I think, to how good their defense has been on third downs as all. Well.
1: And, like, yeah, third Mahomes is the thing. Like, he'll just – he solves problems in – Downs and distances that he has no business solving problems, but at the same time, like I don't think like behind the sticks, getting behind the sticks has been a problem for this team in their losses too, though. And like the Bills game, like they put themselves in third and long situations Mm -hmm. a lot, and it didn't work. So like, while yes, the the third down, you know, third and long offense has been successful, like that doesn't mean it's like a a thing you are aspiring to or something you need to, you know, you want to accomplish. And that's where things get a little bit interesting when we kind of talk, just got done talking about a little bit, maybe a little bit more man coverage, you know, if they get behind the sticks with some of these, you know, plays early, they're playing man on early downs. That could be problematic too, because maybe, you know, maybe they're not able to, you know, get as consistently going on offense. You're putting yourself in some third longs, So, I'm not saying I don't want to discredit Patrick LeVon Mahomes' ability on third down, but also you you don't like you don't aspire to third and long because that has been part of their lack of success at times too, right? So, um, yeah, just <laughs> just something moderate. Hit the like button, hit the subscribe button if you're watching. Really appreciate everybody. You're not missing much if you're <laughs> it's it's Texans. Billy, come on, uh, even. Even Philly fans aren't watching that. They they're preoccupied with something else, uh, completely random. Um, App
2: State and Coastal Carolina just got to halftime, so like you know, there's there's nothing worth watching out there right now. I <laughs> I also wanted to put out, Craig mentioned it. Armani Hooker is not as of right now. He's not practicing. We don't know if he'll play. The combination of him, Kevin Bayard, and then the rest of that secondary. You know, I don't can't single out everybody, but those two guys in particular have been utilized somewhat well in slowing down Travis Kelsey in some of these Mm -hmm. previous matchups with the Tennessee Titans if Hooker's unable to play that's worth noting because then it does as Craig mentioned becomes a Lonnie Johnson or they're running out Terrence Mitchell or somebody like that to play in that role so that's something key to watch David Long they're one of their linebackers is relatively good in coverage I don't know if he has the size I mean he's he is is the same size as those safeties and then he's also going to be you know not as athletic so it's just I don't know if they have a third down Travis Kelsey stopper necessarily. Mm-hmm. If Armani hookers not out there, that limits some of their options. Like there's just another thing that pertains to how the chiefs can, you know, execute on those downs.
3: Shout out to my guy, David long. Always had faith in him. Oh, he did. He's, he's been exceptional this year. Like you watch he him. He, shows that he has been an exceptional run defender. And I don't know that any of us would have suspected that when he was coming out of school, guy, guy, that light in the pants. he has been really good
1: this season. And he's finishing
2: so tackles. On he is
3: yes
1: (laughs) um also worth noting uh jeffrey simmons has not practiced i believe yet this week that is also one of the other ones to kind of keep an eye on massive yeah Massive. that that matters too let's hear really quick from liquid death
4: hey sorry to interrupt but i need to tell you about one of today's sponsors and that is liquid death listen you might be in a meeting you might be walking through high V target and start to notice some strange tall boys of beer in the bottled water section of your local stores. No need to get anybody, it's not beer, it's actually mountain spring water from the Alps, and it's called liquid. Death. Now, why is this water called liquid death? Well, it'll brutally murder your thirst. That is right. Not only are they trying to brutally murder your thirst, they're trying to brutally murder plastic pollution as well with their infinitely recyclable tall boy cans. They're bringing death to plastic pollution. And they also donate 10% of their profits from every can sold to kill plastic pollution. Great cause. That's a win win for me. Look at this. I mean, just look at this can right here. I've got one right with me. The Severed Lime, one of my favorite flavors that they have. Oh, it's so good. Can't wait to dive into this one. You can find a Liquid Death at your local Target, Walmart, or 7-Eleven, or go to a Liquid Death retailer near you. Find one with their store locator tool at liquiddeath.com kcsn
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Oh, sorry. We Sorry, my bad. Sorry, I was too busy enjoying my liquid death. Uh, hit the like button. Hit the subscribe button if you are uh, watching this, listening to this. Helps us grow the show. Helps more Chiefs fans find it. Um, The Chiefs found a new offensive weapon in Kadarius Tony, acquired last week before the trade deadline. A third and a sixth round pick go to the New York Giants. Um, I'm kind of just curious to see what the, what the role on offense is for Kadarius Tony. There's been some hinting and some intimation that Tony might be involved in the return game, uh, on special teams. Uh, even I, Sky Moore's out, out of the job. I think that's totally fine and fair. And I, you know, it's not a knock on Sky Moore. I I don't think that's his, I don't think that's his thing. Uh, I could see Tony filling in there, but I'm also just kind of curious to see if they're able to get him involved in the offense a little bit more. I would anticipate Maddie, or like, well, Craig. I'll I'll start with you. I'll anticipate a lot of if they're going to get him involved on the offensive side of the ball, his average air yards or average depth of target will be in the negatives. <laughs> I think it's touch passes and reverses. I think it's some of the simple stuff outside of you know.
3: I think that's where you try to get him involved a little bit. And I think if uh, if he's getting s- touches. That they're going to be in the first 15 plays of the, of the thing. I, I just think that the anything that they have is going to be a small install at this point for Kadarius Toney. Again, just because the Chiefs made the trade last week doesn't mean that he's been practicing with Patrick Mahomes. That like Wednesday was the first practice that Kadarius Tony had with Patrick Mahomes. It takes time, it takes time for those things to happen, it takes time for them to gel. Certainly they can put some stuff on the field get those two guys together for a couple of plays. I'd like to see him get the ball in his hands a little bit, just kind of see what it is, see what you can do with him. I don't know that I expect a big bunch of plays with him, though. And, yeah, I'm with Kent. I think it's going to be get him in space, get him him on a bubble, get him on something like that, you know, a jet motion, you know they did that all the time in New York. He's he's very comfortable running the Tyree kill back and forth and back and forth. There were all the return motion stuff, and that, that's all there for the taking for Kadarius Tony. Get him the ball with a little bit of space and room to run, kind of like they use McCole Hardman in this offense a little bit, and then get him off the field. You know, I I don't need to see a ton out of him. I don't need him to be a crucial element of this offense yet, for certain. But I do think that getting him a little bit of integration, especially since he hadn't played much, played since week two this season, get him on the field, get him a little bit of run, just make sure that you keep him healthy.
2: I think the most obvious thing is you anticipate some kind of package of plays with him getting the ball at the line of scrimmage behind it, maybe some green passes, some little spotter now routes and stuff on the outside. Like you can get a package of plays that gets him the ball and gets installed pretty quickly within a week. That shouldn't be too hard. There's maybe a a sliver of hope that because he's coming from the Giants offense with a Kafka and Brian Dable, that the offense is going to be similar enough in verbiage and terminology to what Andy Reid uses that he can at least pick up play calls quickly enough. Right Now, I think to Craig's point, he's barely got to run routes with Patrick Mahomes. He doesn't know where Mahomes wants him to be, how he wants him to adjust and all these things. Like, yeah, he might know what the playbook says, but he doesn't know what Mahomes wants. He doesn't know how they actively do stuff on the field. There's going to be no way to expect him to do it. So putting him in a route you know, combination that has uh, distribution to where he has to be in the right spot at the right time and be part of a progression – that's going to be really really difficult for him right now. He just won't be on time the only times he would essentially be useful and it's not a knock it's just the only ways that it makes sense first read on some kind of shot play or a gadget play or once the play breaks down right there's like there's not a lot of in between for what you can do off of 3 days worth of practice. I do hope I do hope they send him on a deep route or two though. Even if they don't throw it I would like to see him because you can run a shot play with Kadarius Tony. You don't doesn't take long to say hey You run a post-verse too high. You run a fade-verse single high. Go do it, right? Like, it's that's a pretty simple installation. So I would not hate to see something like that put in there just once to see about that speed because McCole Hardman's speed has not been a factor vertically this year, right? It's been deep overs, but not on, like, actual shot plays. Maybe Tony will look better in that role. So just maybe give him one of those in this game and then, you know, a couple balls behind the line of scrimmage and I'm happy, I think.
1: And I think from a usage standpoint, I think it's going to be a little trickier for Kadarius, Tony to maybe, you know, I, I don't think they're going to isolate him as an X and, you know, let him run a no. slant, you know, or anything like that. So like, that's where I think his usage gets a little tricky early on too, is, you know, like you can't just, you know, like I'm not trying to compare him to Kelvin Benjamin, Benjamin, Whoa. but like, they just Hey, Kelvin, go be no. big and run a run a fate. Like you can't, Really run that with with uh, Kadarius Tony. Uh, players to watch on the offensive side of the ball. What you got, Matthew?
2: Oh, I'm going to go with uh, Sky Moore. One of the guys that Kadarius Tony probably would eat into his routes. Um, my prediction all along was Sky Moore would start to pick it up in the back half of the year. I think coming out of the bye week is the perfect time to start that. And now I think this is an interesting time because he had a pretty bad game against the 49ers. He ran his route to the wrong spot on that first interception. That didn't get him pulled from the game, but Andy Reid directly put that on him. He said that was on Sky Moore. Then later on, he must another punt. Now Dave Tobes come out and said, they're still going to run Sky Moore out there in a returner. We'll see. I think they're going to. I mean, I think that is their plan right now, but we'll see what happens with it. So whether it's in a returner to get the confidence back up, or just how they use him. I'm tired of seeing this man sit on the backside of a three-by-one formation, run a slant, and never get the ball, right? Let's see if they start to work him into other stuff now, because they already have McCall Hardman, who runs a very small portion of routes. Juju Smith-Schuster, MVS, their route trees are expanding a little bit. Their roles are expanding, but Sky Moore, McCall Hardman, they've been the same guy from the beginning of the year till now. Let's see if that starts to expand a little bit, or if they start to actually utilize him when you're going to put him on that backside and get one-on-one coverage versus a team's third or fourth best corner and they're playing man.
3: My player to watch is Isaiah Pacheco uh i know i just got done saying that the titans run defense is ridiculously good and it is but that doesn't mean that the chiefs are going to go full tampa bay buccaneers against the chiefs and just say you know what screw it we're not running the ball anymore that's not going to happen they're going to still try and run the ball because it's andy Reid. he still will try and run the ball and i think that pacheco is the guy that we want to see this week now Titan Stevens is going to make it muddy. They're going to they're going to really test his vision there. Tier Tart has played ridiculously well. Kevin Strong has even played pretty well, you know when when Jeff Simmons hasn't been in the game. Obviously, if Jeff Simmons is there, he is a Kaiju at this point. like he he has been so good, you know, against the run and against the pass. So they've done a really good job. and I mentioned David Long. Isaiah Pacheco is going to have to create some yards. He's going to have to. Fall forward for an extra couple, you know, multiple times in these runs. You, you can't be stopped at the point of attack. Try and get yourself closer to staying ahead of the sticks on those run plays that Andy Reid is going to call. I, I he's I think he's going to be countered with meeting guys in the hole, trying to run through arm tackles, trying to create a little bit of extra yards, and he's the guy that is built strong enough and has the kind of explosion to try and translate and get those few extra yards. So I'm going Isaiah Pacheco this week.
1: I'm going to go with Andrew Wiley. Um, I think, you know, it's kind of been a, uh, it's been a difficult year for him. You know, there's a lot of intrigue with what he was able to put on tape last year, filling in at the right tackle spot. Um, But you know, it's, it's not been, it's not been quite as, as pretty as it was last season. I'm, you know, this is. I think Lucas Digne has a potential to come back. There's a little bit of pressure now, and so you know, I'm not saying that they're going to make a midseason move, but what I am saying is there's at least a potential option to kick over there at the right tackle position. So you know, I think Andrew Wiley's performance is going to be a little bit under the microscope. I was on the I was on a Titans podcast uh, earlier this week. They really like their defensive end or their edge rush. They like their they like their defensive line even without. Harold Landry. Um, so um, this is, it's going be a potential test for Andrew Wiley a little bit here. If he keeps, you know, if he, if he passes him, Hey, good on him. But you know, there's a little bit more pressure, I think at this point, um, let's, uh, we will get to the defensive side of the ball, uh,
4: here in just a second, but probably need to talk about trade first. Hey, sorry to interrupt again, but I've got to tell you about our sponsor trade coffee and going to a coffee shop is a great experience. But it's not something most of us can do every day. If you're looking for that delicious local coffee shop taste on a daily basis, it's so much easier to get that with Trade Coffee. Trade Coffee is a coffee subscription service that makes it so easy for you to discover new coffees and make your best cup of coffee at home every day no fancy equipment needed it's wonderful whether you know what you're doing and you already know what kind of coffee you like or you're looking and you need some help trade makes it easy and convenient to discover new coffees they'll send you ground coffee or whole beans or however you make it your coffee at home they will send it to you it's absolutely perfect it's a win-win in my book there Here's how you got to do it. You're going to upgrade your coffee today with Trade Coffee and let them take the guesswork of finding your perfect cup. Right now, Trade is offering listeners a total of $30 off their subscription plus free shipping at drinktrade.com slash KCSN. That's drinktrade.com slash KCSN for $30 off your subscription to the best coffees in the country. drinktrade.com slash KCSN.
1: Trading the offensive side for the defensive side. Three storylines on the defensive side of the ball. And uh, Malik Willis played last week. He threw 10 times. Uh, They ran the ball a lot in Tennessee. Uh, I think stopping the run is probably a pretty important factor in this game. Craig, what do
3: you think? Nah, I don't think so. I don't think they're going to dare do that at all. No, of course. Yeah, no, that's uh, the the engine of this offense is Derrick Henry. I mean, especially now that AJ Brown is playing for the Philadelphia Eagles, like he is the biggest, largest threat that's out there. And uh, for good reason, he yeah, literally, yeah, he is, once again, having an exceptional season, he looks phenomenal like the houston texans last week and i know that the houston texans their run defense isn't much to write home about the houston texans knew derrick henry was getting the ball on pretty much every snap and it didn't matter like it just simply didn't matter derrick henry's running through guys running through tackles this run defense has to be so much better than it has been over the last couple of weeks now Titans aren't going to run a ton of 21 personnel, but they will run a ton of 12 and 13. So the base defense will still be out there. That makes it a little bit easier. You're not necessarily, you know, especially if they do a lot of in-line YY stuff, it makes it a little bit easier on the Chiefs defense because it's not creating that extra moving gap of having that fullback in the backfield that makes it a little harder to run. And the Chiefs are definitely having trouble with it right now. If they align, you know, sort of on the line with both of those tight ends, I think the chiefs are going to be able to fit the run a little bit better, but it has to be quick and it has to be downhill. And at this point, frankly, it doesn't matter who the quarterback is. We'll get to that in just a little bit here. I want to see more run blitzes on early downs. I want to see more aggressive gap fills on early downs. Derrick Henry, if he does not have a head of steam behind him is a guy that you can bring down. He is, but once he gets that head of steam, man, he's going to run you over. So, Get Nick Bolton moving downhill. Get Leo Chanel moving downhill. Get Willie Gay Jr. pursuing from the backside, coming downhill. Shoot gaps. Play penetrative defense and try and wreck the scheme. Get him to stop his feet and then gang tackle the man. I think that that should be the, the real default for stopping this offense this week is just lean as heavy as you possibly can on trying to shoot gaps and run run blitzes.
2: And you touched on it. The Titans aren't really going to put a fullback um, in the game. That's not what they do. They may occasionally line somebody up as like an H back. And so there's a couple reps where you might get where uh, they have somebody coming from an H back alignment, but that's, that's about it. So what you saw against from the Raiders, from the bills in the first couple series where they were running the ball down the chief's throat. And then what you saw on the chief's last game against the 49ers that had a lot of success. It's not going to be there. They're not going to do it. And on top of not being in 21 personnel with that extra back in the backfield, they're not going to run that much gap scheme. It's going to be outside zone. It's going to be inside zone. It's the same run scheme they've always had for Derek Henry. He's really good at it. You want him, you want to create space. You want to create a lane, have him put his foot in the ground and drive straight forward. You don't necessarily want him pressing up into a double team block or up on a guard's back and then having to make a cut left or right, having to set up that backer on either side of him You just want to give him a clear lane. They do that by running this outside zone or inside zone scheme. Technically speaking, the Chiefs defense is better versus zone runs. The way they want to play, technically speaking, is working better against zone runs right now. Will it in this game? I don't know. The Titans execute it really well. We've seen the Titans catch the Chiefs, specifically the Chiefs, with a lot of deep cutbacks on some outside zone runs, hitting the backside A or B gap area. We've seen it, but also you tell me this is the rushing attack, we're going to get this style of rushing attack. I'll take that over watching a fullback bully the heck out of these linebackers play in, <laughs> play out, play in and play out. Linebackers play downhill. No, no fear of the passing game. We're about to get there. No fear of the passing game in this one. Play downhill. It's outside zone. It's inside zone get into gaps, make the cutback happen early. So that way people that are crashing down can come and fill. It's when that late comeback, late cutback comes in that the chiefs have really been gotten. So don't play patient with your backers in this game.
1: Uh, the Titans have got them on those too in the past as well. I'm thinking, and I mean, one, I remember one very distinctly, which was the Chris Jones experiment at defensive end, but that has been something that some teams have hit this year. And that's something even Derrick Henry has been able to hit uh even though he's a, a freight train you want getting downhill Me, you know i it feels like teams have been utilizing a fullback a little bit more than they have when they play the chiefs Since and so the you on mean them.
3: the the Buffalo I, I, Bills, I, yeah, running twenty one exactly. personnel for like the so, first time ever.
1: <laughs> so like we're talking about, hey, yeah, probably gonna be wide zone. This is what they do. This is their identity. I agree, and like I mean, I, I think that's what variable <laughs> does. And at least offensively, they pretty much stick to the what they do. But at the same time, maybe they maybe they try <laughs> maybe try to mix things up a little bit, put a fullback in the backfield and see what happens. Because I mean, like literally the last three weeks has been real rough. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. It's just, uh, it's something to kind of keep an eye on there.
2: Well, it's also worth noting. No, Frank Clark he <laughs> mm-hmm. plays defense pretty darn good versus the run. You want to talk about yeah. setting an edge versus the run when they run at him? the Titans have run into that issue. It's really difficult to run outside zone at Frank Clark because not only is he going to you know, win his gap, he's going to hold the contain on it. He's going to stick the tackle where they are. So you're not really creating that extra space it kind of creates a log jam and it forces that deep cut back. And as long as you have pursuit there, it stops them. Now, Mike Dana, I mean, they have guys that can come in and play the run pretty well there on the outside. Um, but it's just Frank Clark has still been their best one at it and he's been good at it for years. So just if that's interesting to watch, if they have happened to have success getting to the outside versus chiefs defense with no Frank Clark.
1: You know what else would be interesting? Uh, the quarterback position for the Tennessee Titans. Uh Ryan Tannehill is the starter. He practiced in a limited capacity yesterday, did not participate in practice today, Well, did not play last week. Malik Willis did, 6 of 10. One of those four uh, not-complete passes was an interception. Uh, there's a reason he threw the ball 10 times. I Malik or Taney, doesn't matter. What do we think about this situation? Like, does it matter? Like, first off, does it matter?
2: No, not at all. Uh, you stole my entire talking point. It doesn't matter <laughs> which one of these two bums is out there attempting to throw a football. They're literally only out there to hand it off. You look at, I believe we are they are 30th in pass attempts right now. Okay, that's fine. They're a run first team, right? They're 30th. Well, look at what they're accomplishing when they decide to throw the ball. 31st in yards after being 30th in attempts, 29th in touchdowns, 21st in you know at net average yards per attempt because they're just checking it down like they do nothing when they throw the football. Do you guys know who has second on the team in the Titans and targets?
1: Uh I is don't. Is it Kyle, know that is it Kyle Phillips?
2: No, <sighs> it's Derrick Henry. <laughs> do you know who's third on the Titans in targets? Is it, Kyle, is it Kyle Phillips? No, it's something called a Dontrell Hilliard, who's a backup running back. Let what is, what are they doing? Why, is, why aren't they
3: using Kyle Phillips more? Side is, more. Is, is, Kyle, is Kyle Phillips is good at football. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I just, they can't throw the football. They have no ability to throw the football. All they've ever been is play action and throwing deep crosses, right? Like that's been where they, Tannehill has had some success over the years. Going deep, Hard play action, throwing crosses over the middle of the field. And he's looked okay doing it. It made him the EPA king for a couple of years. Now, all of a sudden, you take away one of the better deep crosser runners in A.J. Brown and you get to where I think defenses have kind of caught on. That's all their offense is. They can't do anything through the air. They, they still have to go play action to get into any of their passing game. And it's just not good. It's not good at all. If this team gets behind the sticks, it's done. It's absolutely done. They have nothing.
3: Yeah. Uh, and you know what takes away you know being able to run play action? Being down. So they can't get in a hole because if they get into a pass-heavy script, it is going to be brutal. They played the Buffalo Bills earlier this season, the game that they lost 41-7. to Ryan Tannehill threw the ball 20 times for 117 yards. And that's almost not the lowest that he's thrown. He had (laughs) two games against the Colts. One where he threw for 137, and another one where he threw for 132 yards. It's against the Colts that have an elite run defense. He's got no games that he has thrown for greater than than 266 yards this season. That was against the Giants at the very beginning of the year. So it doesn't really matter. I know that you you certainly get more consistency. You get a guy that knows the offense and knows how to run it a little bit better and Ryan Tannehill, but they can't get behind because if they have to turn to a pass heavy script with either quarterback, it is a massive problem. So in that regard, Malik Willis is probably the guy that you're looking at and going, well, I'd prefer not to see him because he's got the better arm talent. Certainly, he's not going to read the field as as well as Ryan Tannehill does at this point. But he can also do more with his legs when the game is close earlier in the game. He has the ability to run a little bit more. He can get free a little bit more. Not that Tannehill is a bad runner by any means, but Malik Willis has some true traits that could be developed and turned into a really quality quarterback. You don't necessarily want to play against a guy that's going to huck it all over the field and hope. So you want to see Ryan Tannehill if you're a Chiefs fan, in my opinion, because honestly, I don't think the offense has been good with him back there. I think it's been the Derrick Henry show, and they beat up on some bad football teams, and if they get behind against the Kansas City Chiefs offense, that probably is going to move the ball and score points. Yikes. Just major yikes with either one of these guys. I...
1: I think I'd, I, I, I'd rather see Malik Willis. I'm sorry. Like, he, I'm sorry. He's, he, he's not remotely ready. And I know, like, <laughs> you're talking about a guy that, hey, man, yeah, the dangerous, you know, the devil you don't know that can sling it around the yard, has the arm talents, willing to kind of throw the fault ball. I don't, he's throwing the ball to Chiefs. Like, it's happening. Like they, they, they gave him (laughs) Tannehill. It's not the same though. Like I think, I think Ryan Tannehill will protect the football a little bit better. And yeah, I agree. Like the game script will get out of hand regardless of who the quarterback is. I think, I think Malik Hill, Malik Willis will be a train wreck because he was kind of a train wreck last week. He really was. He wasn't particularly good. Again, he had four incompletions and one of them was intercepted. Like, he, he put the ball at risk several, you know, a few times. Just his spatial awareness from the pocket isn't great. This His spatial awareness outside of the pocket wasn't great. He was just, he, he looked like a deer in headlights against a bad football team last week. I just, I don't, I, I, I'd I rather see him. I would rather see him. I don't think he's a wild card. I, I think Spags would, too. I think like Spags would love, love that. Oh, my. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. It would. It, I just. I. I. I don't think highly of Ryan Tannehill at all. I think it's always been.
2: Yeah, I mean,
1: even when he was a certain. <laughs> don't faction,
3: sugarcoat it, Kent.
1: Don't sugarcoat it. <laughs> tell,
2: tell the people how you feel about Ryan Tannehill.
1: <laughs> we, no, you're trying to get. You're trying to get rant going. There was just a. There was a corner of football that decided he was good at football, and he never was. <laughs> uh even when he was having success. Uh and I just. I. I'm not. Yeah. I. I don't think highly of him, but I would I would be more worried about this game if Ryan Tannehill was playing over Malik Willis. I just it moves Malik. Is... Here's another
2: fun stat too: twenty two percent of the Titans' passing yards, receiving yards this year, have been yards after the catch from those two running backs I mentioned earlier. Twenty <laughs> a fourth of their practically a fourth of their passing yards is yards after the catch from Derrick Henry and Hilliard. That is where a fourth of this team's passing yards have come from. I was, hoping you, were, that in.
1: I was hoping you you're about to say 22% of the passing yards came to Kyle Phillips. Um, <laughs> okay. So the chiefs did make a trade at the trade deadline. They got rid of Rashad Fenton for a conditional seventh round pick. Um, one of Steve Spagnolo's safety blankets is gone. A guy, I mean, even if you listen to the way he spoke about him in his presser this week, glowingly, you know, how much they like him, trust him, all that stuff. Uh does it change anything in the back seven, Craig? Uh does it change anything in the secondary? What are we what are we seeing with a bunch of rookies back there now? I mean
3: Trent McDuffie's gonna execute cover two better. So we got that to look forward <laughs> to. Um no I, I'm, I'm very curious. I wrote about it a little bit on the Substack today about how moving on from those rookies has gives me more questions than it gives me answers about what Steve Spagnuolo is going to do with his scheme. Obviously last year, year before year before that he trusted Rashad Fenton with the entire coverage book. Like he had it wide open and they were able to run pretty much whatever they wanted. Tyron Matthews, even freelancing and adjusting stuff to try and cover things better. And it was working like, so there was implicit trust in a player like that. And you saw Trent McDuffie, a player that he also does appear to trust. And granted, it was just a very small, limited sample size in the first half of the first game. But immediately upon inserting in these rookies, things took a step back from the book being all the way open. There was definitely more static stuff. There was definitely more basic stuff. They weren't putting too much on these guys' plates. So I had a theory that after the bye week with Trent McDuffie healthy, Rashad Fenton was probably going to start so that Steve Spagnolo could once again open back up the coverage book. Now, Steve Spagnuolo said today Rashad Fenton was going to be a rotational player after the buy. He he straight up said that. So, I mean, that, that tells you right then and there. I know people want to make the joke that Brett Veach got rid of him. That way he wouldn't – he would be forced to play the rookies. No, he was going to play the rookies anyway. Those, those guys were going to play. So, I do think that Spagnuolo has something that he's ready to implement with Jalen Watson, Joshua Williams, Trent McDuffie, Lajarius Sneed, I think those guys, they've been working on something, working on opening the playbook up. Justin Reed even talked about at the beginning of the year in training camp, said, this is the biggest playbook that I've ever seen, way bigger than anything that we've ever done. And at that point, he said, yeah, we maybe got about 15 to 20% of it installed. So they were still working through it with all those rookies at that point. And they clearly, Spagnuolo hasn't trusted him to do that yet or he's letting them get acclimated to the speed of the NFL before he wants to put too much on their plate. Are we going to see this week, and I know that the Titans don't throw the ball a ton, but if they get down, they're going to have to. So are we going to see a few more wrinkles in coverage this week? Are we going to see some more exotic stuff? Is it going to look more like Spagnuolo's defense did over the past three or four years where we're going, man, that was fun what he got to do on the back end, except this is going to be athletic long rookies that you can kind of get more excited about with all these new pieces that we haven't really seen the true positioning yet. So I am very curious that what that secondary is going to look like. I'm excited to see what he does on the back end this week and to see if there are any changes when all the rookies are out there. I think the question could also be though, too, at the same
1: time, you know, Craig, it's, which I think it's a little game, game script dependent because like, You could, there's two, there's two, there's two trains of thoughts here, right? Like cheese get out, cheese get out big. Like, yeah, maybe you get, maybe this isn't, maybe this is a little playground to to throw some stuff out there and see how these guys respond or Hey, they've already been working on this stuff anyway. (laughs) Let's save it. Let's play this boring cover too. And then we'll, we'll save it and we'll, 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 we'll hold it back another week. So like there's two lines of, there's two trains of thought that you could, you could, you could lean on. To how they'll they'll approach this, and I do like I think Steve I I think spagnolo could get a little bit more exotic. I think he I I think this could I think this is actually a really good game to do that, uh especially from a confidence perspective, because Ryan Tannehill stinks and so does Malik Willis. I'm sorry.
2: So uh, I I would lean the I think the other way. I think this game there's no reason to get exotic in this one. I think get the last exotic. The last thing you need to do versus this team, whether it's Willis or Tannehill is blow a coverage and give them an easy 60 yard touchdown for absolutely no reason other than you blew a coverage. So it makes no sense from a winning standpoint. You can play a soft static zone versus this Titans team and be just fine in coverage. Yes, please. If it's Willis, especially bring them. It's not like Tannehill's imperviousness either. Bring your pressures, but just do the same thing you've been doing up until now. I love that they've had the bye week to get this stuff sorted out. You get McDuffie back. Maybe you want to sprinkle in a drive here or there where you throw maybe coming out of halftime, maybe the first series where, you know, uh, probably not the first series because the Titans are just going to come out and run the ball a bunch. But you want to pick a series where you're going to come out and maybe sprinkle in what it's going to be. Okay, that's fine. Be basic. Just be nice and simple. Don't blow coverages. Don't give the Titans free offense that they wouldn't get otherwise. Like that's how that's how this t- Titans team will beat you. Just make them actually score. Play your lame cover two, your static cover two. Keep everyone's eyes on the quarterbacks. So you're not getting fooled by play action and deep crossers. Be boring. Win this game, and then start to bring out the fun stuff later on.
3: Why 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 don't you like me, Maddie? Why don't you want me to have fun <laughs> Listen, and joy in my life?
2: You don't enjoy watching you don't enjoy watching a cornerback drop to the flat and try to midpoint a corner out 13 times in a row.
3: I like watching Trent McDuffie do it, but yeah. It, is Trent McDuffie your player to watch, Craig? No. Well, who is? My player to watch this week is Carlos Dunlap. Dennis Dang Daly it. is terrible. <laughs> I, I can't I cannot overstate this. The left tackle that the Titans are playing has given up at, at the end of October. He had given up 20 pressures already, and that was insane. Like Taylor one last year gave up less than that all year, if I remember right. So he's already given up through half of the season, 20 pressures and tons of sacks. He's not been a good run defender or run blocker either. Carlos Dunlap now has an increased role. This would have been Frank Clark if it wasn't Dunlap somebody's going to be lining up against him. Dunlap is the kind of guy that will give Dennis Daly trouble. I expect that he's going to have a good game against the run. And I expect if the chiefs do get out to a lead and they're leaning more on the four man rush and the Titans are trying to throw their way back into this football game, that we are going to see Carlos Dunlap come up with a sack or two, just because that guy is not good on the left side there. And they haven't had, they haven't, tried to throw because they haven't been able to protect on these rare occasions that they do throw. So they get into a pass heavy script. I think it goes bad for whoever the quarterback is.
2: Yeah, that was going to be uh, my pick too. This seemed like a game coming off some rest, get some Dunlap in there. Um, so I will go, I, I guess I'm going back to back rookies. I go in with the George Carl Loftus um, and same, same reason Dennis Daly bad. I don't think Nicholas Petit for year. Is that good? I know he's played relatively well from this year. I don't yeah. think he's very good. Uh did he punk George Karloftis in college last year? Yeah, maybe. Um revenge maybe game. he's out for George Carloftus revenge for, game. Maybe he's back for revenge, but Karloftis on daily, this is the matchup where I think Karloftis, even as a rookie, actually can't shine. It's nonstop effort, non-stop power, non-stop explosion. Mm. A guy that's not gonna quit when you're a bad. Tackle, when you're bad at your job, that is not what you want to see. Like, a guy that's got a lot of tools, but maybe doesn't go 150% every play, a la Frank Clark, who can still flash, but maybe isn't giving you 100% effort in terms of, I don't want to say he's not trying, but he's not going to go with the same energy that Karloffis does every play. You can maybe survive that a little bit better. Karloffis isn't going to give him a second to rest when they're matched up. Eventually, eventually, Daly will make a mistake. Maybe Karloffis gets his first full sack this week. Mm -hmm
1: and maybe Trent McDuffie will get his first game this week. Full game this week. I am watching Trent McDuffie. I was so excited to watch him uh you know this season and then the, he was outstanding in the Cardinals game and we haven't got to see him since because of the hamstring issue thanks a lot Arizona Cardinals. Uh in your horrendous field. Get it fixed before the Super Bowl, please. Um I'm just I'm really excited to watch him. I, I, I've been eagerly awaiting this opportunity to get to see him play again, and I'm I'm looking forward to watching him play out there. This is, again, like we talked about this, this might be a good game, a good confidence builder for this young secondary. There's a good chance of that. Um, and, you know, I, I want to see Trip McDuffie out there. I want to see him uh, against the run, too, because that's uh, – I mean, everyone's going to be required to, to tackle. They're going to get a lot of opportunities to stop the run this week. And uh, I'm looking forward to watching Chet McDuffie. <laughs> it is game prediction time. Craig.
3: Yeah, um, I, I'm trying not to just pick, you know, a blowout here, but I I don't see a way that this happens. I think that the Chiefs are diverse enough to where Mike Vrabel is not going to be able to just kind of hamstring mm-hmm. one of Travis Kelsey or Tyreek Hill and try and limit them. And that's what's happened in the past. When the Chiefs have had some success, Against the Titans when they move the ball in spurts. It's not necessarily been through those two guys. It's been through the third weapon, the guys that have stepped up. And this season we've seen across the board here, as Patrick Mahomes is referring to it, it's kind of week to week. Depends on who it's going to be. So there's no real guy that you can drill down on after Kelsey. I think that there's going to be spreading the ball around. I think the Chiefs are going to be able to move the ball through the air. And I think they're going to get out to a big lead to start. And then the Titans are just not going to be able to really respond. Uh, they're going to be able to run the ball and Steve Spagnuolo is going to invite it, but it won't matter. He'll be fine with taking the time off the clock. The Chiefs keep him at arm's length throughout the entire game. I'm going chiefs 35 Titans 14.
2: The Titans are fake. Good. They're not good. They're fake. Good. Their records inflated. They're not a good team. I don't, they have no business being here with what they have two losses right now. No business. Last time I said this, the Titans came in and uh, beat the brakes off the Chiefs. <laughs> then they went on to be, what, the number one seed heading into the playoffs that year. The time before that, I probably said the same thing. The Titans, once again, beat the brakes off the Chiefs. Probably went on to make the playoffs. I'm I am I think
1: that one was right out of a bye, too.
2: <laughs> I'm tripling Ooh. down. Titans are a fake good team. They are not good. They do not belong in the League of Contenders. Andy Reid coming out of a bye week despite the last blemish versus the Titans coming out of a bye week is going to be too much for this fake good team. Free will have them playing hard. They'll be up for it. They always are for this game. No, no. Chiefs win this one. I'm not getting more analysis than the fact that the Titans are fake good. Chiefs win this one 31 to 13.
1: I'm scared. Bad
2: team, Kent. You done? Go ahead. I tried. Bad team. <laughs>
1: <laughs> i i'm scared of them i just i, <laughs> <can't>, <laughs> I think, they're, I, don't think I don't think
3: are a chief fan
1: i don't think they're good <laughs> i think i don't think they're good i think that they could do some things that were really valuable 10 years ago but unfortunately the chiefs aren't good at stopping the thing that was really valuable 10 years ago i'm worried about the run game uh i think the chiefs will score points i think the titans will score a few more points than we want them to and I think Ryan Tannehill is playing. If Malik Willis isn't playing, the Chiefs are going to beat the brakes off of them because uh I think Chet McDuffie will will complete the bingo card of rookie uh interceptions. I uh I'm going 3123. The Chiefs are winning, but the Titans are covering. I uh, they're getting 12 and a half points. Like that's that's a Cuz they're
3: bad. <laughs> There's
1: a DraftKings read in there somewhere about the 12 and a half points.
3: Two, two, five and two teams, and one team is favored by 12 and a half
1: points. Fake good. They might be. I'm still scared. We'll find out when we'll be on the KCSN postgame after the game. We'll catch you later.
5: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in.